Good morning and welcome. Oh. <laughs> it is good to be with you. Uh, of course, Paul and I have been gone for about a week on vacation. We had a wonderful time. Thank you for your prayers, safe travel, and all that wonderful stuff. So it's good to be with you again. Uh, grateful to Lil Geib for leading us in worship last Sunday, and grateful to be with you. Uh, especially thankful for those visitors, those guests who may be with us. Is it me or is it... We're doing okay? But uh, especially grateful for the guests and visitors who may be with us. Uh, remind you of the registration pads and ask you to sign those and pass those to your neighbor uh, as we prepare for worship. Also mindful of opportunities before us in this coming week. Our staff parish committee will meet tomorrow uh, evening. Also uh, remind you of the prayer walk. Uh, it's a wonderful ministry once a month. We gather here at noon on this coming Wednesday. We'll walk down to the Coalition of Health and Wellness uh, for a time of prayer, and then we'll walk back. I uh, just welcome you to be a part of that ministry, a wonderful way of getting beyond the walls of the church to let our neighbors know uh, of our presence here and our prayer for, for their welfare. We're also going to hear more about the Rise Against Hunger event next Saturday. Vicki Harm will speak to that uh, at the time we receive the offering. And we're grateful for the ministry of the food bank and clothes closet as we gathered yesterday. Uh, we, 122 households received a food box, 156 boxes were packed, 392 people served total, and 119 households uh, visited the clothes closet. We served 319 people by way of that ministry. So thank you for your support of these ministries. It was wonderful connect, to connect again with the Magna Vista Beta Club. Uh, and just a wonderful turnout for wonderful ministry. As we worship this morning, we remember we're in the season of Eastertide. So we'll hear of the, of the works of the apostles following the resurrection and ascension of Jesus and hear of the power that sends them to do good works in the name of Christ. We prepare to worship God together.
you, Jill, and welcome back. Our call to worship is before us. I invite us to stand as we share in the call. The suffering servant, the stone rejected, the crucified one, the God of healing, hope, and life is in our midst. Stand as we sing the church's one foundation.
I invite us to go to God with the words of our opening prayer as we find those in our bulletins and projected before us. We go to God as we pray. O good shepherd, you desire to guide all into safety, refreshment, and peace. Meet us here today and fill us with your love that we may look into your world with your loving knowledge. Inspire us to welcome our sisters and brothers with your joy and to offer our lives with your generosity as members of your beloved community. In your name we pray, amen. We're going to share responsively the Old Testament lesson from Psalm 118, and we will share the second response as it is printed before us on page 839 in our hymnals. Our choir will first lead us in that response, or they will first offer that response, and then we will join the choir in sharing that response again. Before we proclaim the word of God, let us pray. Lord, pour your spirit upon us, refresh us, renew us, strengthen us, give us your peace. May we know your presence as we worship you. May we be inspired and sent forward in your service. We give you thanks for your life-giving word as it is before us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord is my strength and my power. The Lord has become my salvation. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and to give thanks to the Lord. thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes.
Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God who has given us life. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. to invite our children to come forward as we share in our children's time.
Lila. Love that shirt. There's a story behind that shirt, isn't there? And there's a story behind this hat, too, and we'll get to that, and, and they're related. Good morning. Maybe I'll sit here with you as well, okay? Hope you all are well this morning. Let me ask, let me ask you this. Um, did you have breakfast this morning? What, what did you have? <coughs> Eggs? Bacon? Cereal? Donuts? Oh, boy. Fruit Loops and marshmallows. Okay, I'm getting hungry. Well, we're not, uh, not far away from lunch, so when we leave church, we'll have something to eat for lunch. Perhaps have supper this evening. And then tomorrow, maybe a bagel for breakfast or some cereal. I like bagels, often have bagels for breakfast. Well, the reason I ask this is because I'll tell you why. Because as, as blessed as we are, be able to say, okay, here's what I'm having for breakfast, here's what I'm having for lunch, here's what I'm having for supper. Sadly, there are a lot of children in this world who may not have something for breakfast or lunch or supper. There are a lot of children throughout the world who, who just go hungry uh, and may not know when their next meal is, is coming or where it's coming from. Well, the reason I share this is because, and it's related to Lila's wonderful shirt, next Saturday morning, we're going to share in a wonderful ministry here called Rise Against Hunger. And that's why I have this hat as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because I'd rather wear a hat than a hair net. And if you've been a part of Rise Against Hunger, of course you have to take care of the hair and wear a hair net, or I think a hat is acceptable. I hope so. How's that look? Okay. But um, this is part of... of the fun of, of sharing in Rise Against Hunger. So what we'll do, and, and Ms. Uh, Vicki is going to tell us more about this, is we'll meet in the ministry center and we will prepare a lot of meals. You know how many meals we'll prepare? Okay. Now, take a guess. Um, about 50. 50, higher? About 10,000. Wow. <laughs> Let's hear it for Caden. 10,000 is right. 10,000, Caden was right. That's a lot of meals, isn't it? And we'll, so we'll be around tables and around various stations where we'll just put together all of these items that will then be sent to our brothers and sisters throughout the world who, who are hungry. So I hope you'll be a part of this. I hope your parents, families will be a part of this. It's from 9 to 11 next Saturday morning in the ministry center. And, and as we do this, we remember we're doing this because this is what Jesus tells us to do. Jesus tells us to feed the hungry. Jesus tells us to love our neighbors. So we want to be followers of Jesus, especially in this season in which we still remember Easter and to know that Christ is with us and he blesses us so that we may be a blessing to others. And you can bring a hat too, okay? Let us pray. And if you will, uh, repeat after me. We thank you, Lord, for food, for blessing us, and for helping us to bless others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand as we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
we share from the book of Acts, the fourth chapter, verses 5 through 12, as we hear of the ministry of the apostles of Jesus, we hear the word of God. On the morrow, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem with Anna, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a cripple, by what means this man has been healed, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, but which has become the head of the corner. And there is salvation and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is the word of our Lord. Well, I trust you forgive me if I stumble to find my bearings behind the pulpit this morning. You see, it has been two weeks since I last stood here, and I confess in some ways it feels like a, a distant two weeks ago. So forgive me if I feel somewhat out of practice at this preaching business. No, this has not been an especially demanding week, no crises, no catastrophes. Still, I have felt at times clumsy as I have tried to reorient myself to tending to the work before me as pastor of First Church. This includes tending to the work of preparing a sermon. Now, I've known for some time the scripture on which I would be preaching this Sunday. I also knew this Sunday finds us in the season of Eastertide, helping me know the setting for this time of worship is one in which those of us who follow Jesus seek to understand what it means to live in light of the resurrection. So knowing the scripture and the season of the church year has been helpful for me in preparing the service of worship. Still, there has been for me this past week the sense of being out of rhythm, disoriented. What to say? How interpret this ancient word so that it has a voice now for the community of faith that is First Church. Now these questions I ask of you are questions I may well ask of John and Peter. John and Peter are apostles of Jesus, those sent to proclaim the good news of Jesus after his resurrection and ascension. We meet John and Peter this morning we meet them as we intrude upon a conversation in which they are engaged. It is conversation regarding a healing John and Peter have just performed. It is conversation between Peter and John and various religious leaders. These religious leaders recalling the healing Peter and John have performed upon a man who had been lame, ask Peter and John, by what power they perform this miracle. Well, to overhear this conversation in this manner sounds somewhat harmless, doesn't it? But draw closer to this scripture. 
pay attention to the words of these leaders of the faith community. And in so doing, we discover their question by what power is not so innocent a question. It's not a question seeking to celebrate the fact a man crippled all his life is the man who can now walk and to jump and celebrate and dance to the glory of God. I mean, usually if someone asks by what power someone performs miracles, we expect the question to be asked in a positive, celebratory manner. How did this happen? Yet it is clear as we read this question by what power, it's not a question of celebration. It's a question born of anger, skepticism, the desire to destroy and deny something good. Do we hear that? John and Peter have, by the power of the resurrected Jesus, healed a man who had been lame. Linger over that for a moment. A man limited in his abilities is a man who now has all ability to tend to the needs of his home, to plant seeds and prune trees and harvest crops, to engage in all matter of commerce. Listen again to this and, and feel the celebration, embrace the opportunity to witness and to testify of all God has done. But that's not here in our scripture. The miracle has happened, the lame can walk, but the response to the miracle from the community of faith, from leaders of faith, is not a response of praise and celebration. It's a response difficult to comprehend. A man lame all his life can now walk run and celebrate and dance, and those within the community of faith respond to this by asking in all anger, in all fear, by what power? It's difficult to understand. I mean, everyone here can draw upon some story we consider miraculous, and we may remember how prayers were answered as we prayed for healing after the x-ray revealed a malignancy, or the doctor outlined a series of treatments, or we engaged in conversation of which we had never dreamed regarding radiation or chemotherapy. We then remember how those doctors spoke to us in joyous tones regarding remission, and remembering how these doctors had spoken so favorably about these treatments, we share the news with celebration and why not? How could it be any other way? Yet our scripture recounts a miracle has taken place. One formerly lame can now leap and walk and worship and praise. Good news, right? So then how explain the response of the community of faith? How explain a response so distant from the response you and I offer to the miracles we have known regarding healing? We may be familiar with a gentleman named Tony Campalo. Campalo has been a noted speaker and writer and teacher in the Christian faith for many years. He is a passionate man speaking and preaching with great energy, with humor, a man willing to address matters of controversy that others may be hesitant to address. Following a speaking engagement several years ago, Campalo spoke with some admirers and signed books and the like, and had pictures taken with friends. 
He was then approached by a young mother and her young son. Campolo noticed her son, perhaps five or six years old, wore braces on his legs. The mother spoke to Campolo. Do you believe in miracles, she asked. Well, as he recalls this question, Campolo, a bald man with glasses who could stand to lose a few pounds, confesses thinking to himself, lady, if I believed in miracles, do you think I'd look like this? <laughs> but he held his tongue, gathered himself, said to the woman, yes, I, I believe in miracles. Good, she replied. I want you to pray for my son to be healed. I want you to pray for him to need these braces on his legs no more. For perhaps the first time in his life, Campolo was too stunned to speak. Didn't know what to say. He had never received such a request as this before. Of course he believed in prayer and had prayed countless times, publicly and privately, but he had never been approached by a young mother asking for the healing of her crippled young son. He wasn't sure how to respond. The crowd gathered around Campolo, only added to the awkwardness of the moment. Well, what are you going to do, Tony? Still, he gathered himself, found the words with which to pray for this mother and son, and as Campolo recalls this conversation and this prayer, he does not flatter himself. He basically spoke this prayer, he confesses, be rid of the woman. He was enjoying the affirmation and adulation of those who had come to hear him speak, of those who wanted him to sign books and take pictures, those who were just there to just listen to Tony Campolo. He wasn't prepared for the meek request of this needy mother and son who had crashed his party. But in the presence of this crowd, what else could he do? He asked for quiet, for bowed heads, closed eyes, prayed for this mother and her son. And he confesses to us all it was a prayer, the words of which he himself did not believe. Perhaps a year later, Campolo is at another speaking engagement. Following his address, he is again approached by a young mother and her son. She asked Campolo, do you remember us? He looks again, realizes this is the same woman who had asked him to pray for the healing of her son. Again, almost too stunned to speak, he manages to reply, of course I remember you, how could I forget? I just wanted you to know, she told him, that prayer you spoke for my son, it worked. As he looked at her son, he saw that he no longer wore any braces on his legs. He stood and walked with ease and strength. Thank you again for your prayer. I thought you would be happy to know it worked. He didn't know what to say. I remember praying for you, he said, but, but it made no difference that evening. I, I finished the prayer and we all went home and your, your son was still in those braces. That's true, she said. But the next morning, my son's legs hurt. So we had to adjust his braces. This was happening practically every other day. He would wake up, complain about his legs hurting, and we would have to adjust his braces. And it then got to the point. He didn't need the braces on his legs anymore. 
your prayer. It worked. I thought you would want to know. Thank you. Campolo still shakes his head in wonder at this story. It was a prayer, he confesses. He spoke not in faith, but rather to save himself from a publicly awkward situation. But a woman's son is healed, can walk and run and play and dance, and Campolo can only wonder, who are we to believe we can restrain God? Now, isn't that the way we are to respond to miracles with gratitude and praise and wonder and thanksgiving? How then are we to understand this response of anger and bitterness toward John and Peter from the leadership of those within the community of faith? Well, some of us are familiar with the Reverend Tom Berlin. Tom is the pastor of Florence United Methodist Church, Northern Virginia. Tom Berlin is a gifted pastor and has provided leadership not only for Flores Church, but for this conference and the United Methodist Church throughout the world. Before being appointed to Flores Church, Berlin recalls telling his district superintendent, don't just appoint me to any church. Send me to a church that wants to grow. Well, I remember hearing Berlin say this, and I remember being puzzled as I thought, well, doesn't every church want to grow? When I was appointed to serve a church in the west end of Richmond, a growing and flourishing part of the state, a colleague of mine said regarding this church, I don't understand why that church has never taken off. Shortly after I began to serve as pastor of this church, I began to realize the reason this church had not taken off was because this church had no interest in taking off. I say that not to criticize the church, rather as I recall serving this church, I understand the bitter response of those who are troubled by the ministry of Peter and John. You see, they thought they were in charge. Everything has to run through us. If there's any healings around here, we're going to be responsible for it. They thought they had the power. They thought they set the agenda that they were the points of reference for all things. They thought they all had to answer to them, all had to be approved by them. Then Peter and John show up, fearless, faithful, honest, accountable, only to the God of resurrection. The biggest of threats to those invested in the status quo. The most powerful of reminders that we don't have the final word. We don't call the shots. We're not in charge. I know it surprises us at times to think Jesus troubles us as he does. But if he does not trouble us, why do we kill him? And now as Peter and John remind us, and he is no less troubling. Yes, we're bothered by those religious leaders who seek to obstruct the witness of the apostles, but at least they understand one thing. It can be troubling to confront the God of resurrection. 
for a God who brings life to the dead, a God who brings into being that which was not, is a God who may lead his people into any number of uncomfortable places. He is a God who may cause all manner of discomfort, a God pushing us to grow, a God wanting us to take off, a God of resurrection. Amen. Let us stand as we respond to the word with 1 Corinthians and Colossians. <coughs> This is the good news we have received, in which we stand, and by which we are saved. Christ died for our sins, was buried, was raised on the third day, and appeared first to women, then to Peter and the twelve, and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one of God, the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn of the dead in whom all things hold together, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell by the power of the Spirit. Christ is the head of the body, the church, and by the blood of the cross, reconciles all things to God. Amen. As we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ, and then again we will gather to receive our offering. Uh, Vicki will speak as our ushers come forward about Rise Against Hunger. And as Vicki concludes, we then have the offertory. Invite us to find our places and Vicki, welcome. receive God's tithes and our offerings. 
begin, we will pray, and as the offering is being received, Vicki will speak, and at the conclusion of Vicki's uh, presentation, we have the offertory music. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for all with which you have blessed us, and we thank you for the opportunity to be blessing to others. Receive these gifts, use them for the sake of the gospel. In Jesus' name. church's mission team would again like to thank to invite you to a party your invitation is in your bulletin where you will find a small blue circle with the red letters t-u-i-t on it this invitation to rise against hunger previously called stop hunger now is to remind all of us to get round to it on Saturday, April 28th in the Uptown Ministry Center and to help our church pack 10,000 meals for hungry people living in underdeveloped countries. That's right, 10,000 meals in two hours starting at 8.45 next Saturday morning, April 28th. Please consider volunteering as you Consider your personal GPS, your gifts, your service, and your, your gifts, your passions, and your service. Betsy Gravely will be available for you to sign up for this important mission after today's church service. Thank you.
We're called to be people who ask and seek and knock. People reminded of the presence of God and his attentiveness to our prayers. So we go to God as we pray, sharing in the prayers of the people, a responsive time of prayer, in which I will offer various petitions, concluding each with the words, Lord, in your mercy, inviting from you the response, hear our prayer, and inviting you to name those concerns you would like to speak as we pray as this community of faith. And then we pray as Christ has taught us. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the faithful witness of John and Peter and all who have gone before us. And we thank you for inviting us to share in that witness, to live faithfully according to this witness, to be those who are fearless and faithful, those who speak of all you accomplish in our lives and all that you call us to do. We thank you for this time of worship, for opportunities of service, and for working together as the body of Christ. Help us this day and in the week ahead to be those who continue to know we live in the light of the resurrection, and we serve now and always the God of resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, and hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. For those recovering from tornadoes. Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. For our elected officials, emergency personnel. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us as we pray for the world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy.
Lord, in your mercy. And hear our prayer, Lord, as it is offered within the communion of saints, those whose faithfulness to you endures and inspires us, those with us now, praying as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We stand as we sing, God be with you, till we meet again.
now as the light of the world, living in the light of the resurrection, always gathered within the embrace of a God who calls us to victory and helps us to know his presence always. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.